Hi, everyone. This is Alicia Halliday, and this is the June 8th edition of the Autism Science Foundation Weekly Science Podcast. This week, my favorite topic, girls and women with ASD. I love providing you guys these updates, even if I've covered this general topic before. Thanks to everyone for listening. I do want to, of course, acknowledge that there are things going on in the world right now, including acts of hate and racism that should be recognized. Next week, I want to focus on communities of color and how they're not receiving the same levels of access to services and other options as Caucasian people are. So you know the sex differences story. Boys are typically diagnosed four times as often as girls, the numbers that you see pretty much in almost every autism study that hasn't really changed over time. Some people think that this disparity in diagnosis could be something more small, like three times, but three times is still a wide gap. Why? What's going on? Are comorbid and mental health features different in boys and girls? Do they appear differently? Do sex differences seen in typical boys and girls influence how features of autism present themselves? Is there a difference across the lifespan? Does puberty make a difference? Do features change at different stages in development? Yes, 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 yes. If I miss something, all yes. But as I will get into, maybe the core symptoms of autism are not all that different. Three new studies came out that try to put together a story on what goes on from as early as birth to toddlerhood and childhood. Let's start with babies and then move up to kids with a diagnosis. Using this quote-unquote high-risk infant design where younger siblings of a person with autism are studied from birth through the first year of life, researchers at Emory University examined the number of protophones that boys and girls at either high-risk or low-risk for an ASD diagnosis make. High-risk, quote-unquote, is that term because those kids have a 20% chance of an autism diagnosis, which is about 15 times greater than those without a family history of ASD. What is a protophone? Well, the person that came up with the term, D. Kimbrough Aller, is the first author on the paper. They are regarded as the first precursors of human speech and are really just vowel-like sounds, like groans, squeals, and utterances. They develop into something called canonical babbling, which begins at seven months. Those are words like mama, baba, dada, basically repeated syllables consisting of a consonant and a vowel. The researchers at Emory found that boys, but less so girls with that high probability of an autism diagnosis, had higher rates of protophones. But those early differences in protophones did not lead to more canonical babbling in boys, which is really the precursor to speech. On average, boys showed more than girls in terms of these protophones in general, but this effect was really most profound in boys and girls with a family history of ASD. It seems like both boys and girls have a language capability. It's just the difference in the tendency to vocalize. There's clearly a sex effect here. It could be said that boys have a higher quantity, but not quality in protophone production. I could insert a snide comment here about boys in general, regardless of family history, regardless of probability of diagnosis, yapping, yapping, yapping with no purpose, but I won't. Whoops, I just did. Why in boys and why especially in those with a family history of ASD? Researchers asked if it was a cultural issue. Do parents of boys speak more to them than girls so they can reciprocate more? Well, not really. First, for two reasons. Protophones are those grunts, not that canonical babbling that's really the first precursor to language. They're not really directed to anyone in particular. They kind of happen when infants are alone and when they're with their parents. It must be just a fitness signal. Evolutionarily, boys may make more sounds because evolutionarily, again, 
they might be more susceptible to predators their first year. That may seem kind of silly, but these protophones are basic bodily functions, not higher order decision making. But really, nobody knows. Now let's move to toddlerhood. Traditionally, there are few differences noticed in these years between boys and girls other than normal sex-related differences. But many have thought that girls and boys with ASD are about the same in toddlerhood. I'm sure there's a scientist out there that will refute that, and it's probably true. Toddler girls, of course, have different interests than boys, so their restrictive and repetitive interests are going to be different than boys. But of course, they still have repetitive and restricted interests. Recently, researchers at UC Davis looked at the trajectory of autism symptom severity between ages three to six years. The same way a few years ago, they looked at cognitive ability in kids from three to six years of age. But this time, they examined the differences in boys versus girls. There is well-documented evidence that symptoms of autism change over time. That's been previously shown by Kathy Lord's group. There are kids that start out pretty well and keep doing well. There are kids that actually improve over time, and there are kids that get worse over time, showing increased severity. But really, most people with autism, their severity stays about the same, so this really isn't new. The study at UC Davis analyzed girls separately, and although other studies may have included girls, I haven't been able to find an analysis of boys versus girls elsewhere in this longitudinal design where sex was incorporated into the model. If I'm wrong about this, and there are, come at me over email. Girls between the ages of three to six were more likely to belong in the decreased severity group, where their severity was high and got better over time, and less likely to be part of the increase in severity group, where they showed increases in severity from ages three to six. These two groups were relatively small compared to the stable group, but it's worth noting. As I mentioned, girls in general forget a diagnosis, are more social and have better language than boys. Could this overlap onto a diagnosis to possibly improve some features of ASD, like social communication and language, within that diagnosis? Are girls with ASD better able to camouflage their symptoms to reduce their chance of a diagnosis? This camouflaging is said to be an unconscious behavior. This kind of altering of the way features present themselves to mask any differences but I don't know if a three to six-year-old with ASD could do it. So let's move on to adolescence. Do these early differences at birth and then in toddlerhood lead to differences in standardized measurements of ASD? Do they have the same symptoms of ASD? Do standardized measurements that are used for diagnosis actually pick up fewer girls compared to boys? This last study was done as part of the Autism Sisters Project because there's been some concern that sex differences in ASD are because of biases in the standard measurements to diagnose them. These two measurements are the Autism Diagnostic Interview, which is called the ADIR, and the Autism Diagnostic Observation Scale, which is a clinician observation tool called the ADOS. Now that ADOS gives you those severity scores, which the researchers at UC Davis examined. If they are more likely to be in this decreased severity group, according to the ADOS, are there differences in scores overall? Does the ADOS bias against diagnosing girls? To look at this question, over 9,000 kids, 1,500 girls, probably the largest cohort so far to look at this question, were collected across eight different autism studies that utilize both the ADOS and the ADI, as well as cognitive measures and language measures. 
Since diagnosed girls tend to have lower IQ scores compared to boys, it's important to match boys and girls on IQ to really get at the differences in core autism features and symptoms. Now, when they did this, they found that the boys had slightly higher, but not much of a clinical difference, scores on restrictive and repetitive behaviors. On the other hand, there were absolutely no differences in social communication behaviors between boys and girls who were diagnosed. This means that the instruments do not bias against females to diagnose. This does not mean that all women and girls with ASD are the same as boys. It means that the standardized instruments used to diagnose do not show a difference. In fact, the same study showed the social responsiveness scale did pick up some differences in that the girls showed fewer impairments on core social communication behaviors. Now, that may be because parents who fill out the SRS may have different expectations of girls because they are more social and have better language than boys in general. So boys are more vocal than girls, but that doesn't lead to improved early speech. For the most part, girls and boys show similar symptom severity, but girls are more likely to be in a group that shows improved severity over time. But when matched for age and IQ and language, the standardized scores on commonly used autism diagnostic measures are similar. So why are girls diagnosed less often? Well, first, there are some girls who do not have an autism diagnosis because they don't have such profound features that would have triggered an evaluation to begin with. That's an important issue. To get to this, first researchers need to capture girls who show autism traits, but not an autism diagnosis. This can be done in a large population cohort or through studying the younger siblings of those with ASD who show some developmental challenges, but not an autism diagnosis. Girls are still diagnosed slightly later than boys. Why? It may depend on other things, externalizing factors, mental health challenges, and our perception of what girls and boys both within and without an autism diagnosis should quote unquote look like. These are not the only studies ever looking at sex differences now, or thankfully, will they ever be. And I also described three different studies on different groups of boys and girls. The golden ticket are those longitudinal studies. The second study I mentioned out of UC Davis is the most similar, that looked at the same boy and the same girl from birth, and this time not just through toddlerhood, but adulthood. Many baby sibling studies are starting to do this following toddlers to school age. There's a lot of cultural factors at well that I didn't mention. If we knew why girls were less likely to receive an autism diagnosis and seem to be more likely to show declining severity, scientists would probably want to study it further, right? Well, that's what the Autism Sisters Project is trying to do right now. Thank you for listening. I hope you are all having a safe and peaceful week. Mm-hmm.